Welcome to the HR Matters podcast. HR Matters because people matter. This is the place where you can listen to fresh ideas about working together, news and topics that really matter, and insights into the changes that you can make in your organization starting today. This is for really for anyone who has a keen investment in the people within their organization. Featuring Lisa Dempsey. Hello. And myself, Marjolein Flug. And today we have a really great guest from the UK, Toby Milden. Can you please introduce yourself, Toby? Hey, Marjolein. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, it's great to, great to be on your show. Uh, I'm Toby. So I'm a diversity and inclusion consultant. I work with HR practitioners to enable them to embed diversity and inclusion into their culture and their business systems. And uh, I've just published a book called Inclusive Growth, which is uh, my my approach to to how I do this. Nice. Well, we're really happy to have you. Thanks for thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Um, uh, we'd love to hear more about that approach. Yeah. So, um, so I before I set up my own consultancy, I worked as an in-house diversity and inclusion manager at the BBC and Deloitte. Before, before getting into diversity and inclusion, I had a background in technology. So I was an IT consultant uh, for Accenture and I worked in healthcare technology. And then my first job at the BBC was uh, as a technical project manager uh, working on our TV on demand service and uh, the news website and things like that. And I, I wrote the book partly I was when I was working as an in-house diversity and inclusion manager. <laughs> I had a number of frustrations about the, the I, I felt like I wasn't really making an impact in my role. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I started to think about, well, you know, what are the solutions to those frustrations? And then I started to put some of those solutions into into a book. Yeah. And what were some of those frustrations? Because I guess I just, I, I find that really poignant. I think there are a lot of people who sit in those in-house positions and do feel tremendously frustrated. Um, so I'm just curious, what what were some of the things that you recognized for yourself? Yes, yeah, so there were a number of frustrations. So it was things like senior leadership not walking the talk and not not taking enough accountability for diversity and inclusion. So um, you, there, there might have been a chief executive talking a good game about diversity and inclusion, but then delegated the responsibility down to uh, a HR director, for example. The other, some of the other frustrations were kind of this lack of focus around culture. So the in, <clears throat> the interventions felt very kind of short term and programmatic, mm. but there wasn't really a, a focus on creating a more inclusive culture. Um, and Pete Strucker once said that that culture eats strategy for breakfast, um, <laughs> and so I mentioned that in the book as well. And having worked in technology before I got into diversity inclusion, I just felt like a lot of DNI practitioners weren't really harnessing the power of technology. And perhaps it's because I'm a bit of a geek, but I was always really interested in how technology could help organizations scale up what they were doing around diversity and inclusion. So those, those are just some of the frustrations I had. And there were there were a few more and and, and they're in the book. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But it's a really great book. I really love there there you do a really good job of laying out the landscape and then giving some very practical and accessible pieces. And I love what you say as well about the importance of culture because that, that really is the, the foundation, right? You can run 
all sorts of programs, have all sorts of ideas, but until it gets embedded in cultural behavior, it's really hard to get traction and, and make sustainable change. Mm. I'm curious though about the, uh, you mentioned technology. In terms of technology, you gave some really good examples in the book, um, but what are some of your, your favorite you know, ways that you, you've come up with to have technology help this out? Because we don't often associate culture and technology. Yeah, and inclusion and diversity and, and te yeah. technology as well. So th this is a question that I get asked a lot. So one of the questions I get asked is, um, you know, what, what are the best technologies out there to help with diversity and inclusion? And the short answer is that there are so many technologies out there. What you do need to do is first identify the problem space that you want to address that you think technology can help you in and then go about selecting the technology. So there's technologies that can help you at the recruitment stage mm -hmm. to help get more diversity into the organization. There's technologies that can help you with analyzing data to help you shape your plans and your strategies and to understand the employee experience. Um, there's technologies that can help with culture to help you uh, decide what's going on in the organization and what targeted action you need to take. Mm -hmm. So there's so much technologies. I mean, some of my favorites um, are, uh, so there's a really good uh, app called InChorus. Um, it's, it's, it's one that I do talk about in my book. Um, and the reason why I talk about it is because it does seem to strike a lot of interesting people. Um, so the InChorus app allows employees to record incidents of microaggressions, mm. uh, bullying and harassment in less than 60 seconds. The app then um, so captures what the incident or the, the activity going on. It signposts the employees onto additional resources that might help them. So first of all, it validates their experience and lets them know that it's not okay to be on the receiving end of, of harassment and bullying and microaggressions. Mm. Um, it then tells them what resources are available. Like if you've got an employee assistance program, for example, that people can phone up and get help or information on the internet, um, it signposts them to those resources. Mm -hmm. um, and then it gives the administrator of the system a, a heat map of activity going on in the business. Right. So it might tell you, for example, that there's a whole load of microaggressions happening towards people from an ethnic minority background mm -hmm. in the marketing department. Therefore, you know that you need to take some targeted action there. Yeah, so it helps provide a really clear roadmap. Yeah. yeah, it does a very good job at providing those the, that data and insights to help you formulate your, the strategy or the actions that you need to take. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because when you first uh, explained that there's all kinds of technology that you can use uh, uh, to improve inclusion and diversity, mainly what I heard was it's, it's technology that's available for all kinds of things that you can also use for this purpose. The app that you mentioned now is very much designed around this experience specifically. So it sounds like you know there's both. There's the general things that you can use for this specific purpose, and there's also tailored, targeted uh, technology available. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was at the BBC, I I piloted a piece of software where we saw a hundred and thirty percent increase in people from an ethnic minority background getting through. CV screening stage of the mm -hmm. recruitment process into an interview room 
and it's a really interesting experiment um, because what we did is um, instead of taking people's CVs for a software engineer job, engineering job, we um, we invited anybody interested in a job uh, as a software engineer to take a to take an online challenge, and the challenge um, was completed anonymously. But it was a sample of the work that they would be expected to do if they got the job. Mm-hmm. So it, we did it for iPlayer, for example, which is the BBC's video on demand service. Mm-hmm. And we were creating a new feature at the time. And we, we put it out there and we said, you know, we're creating this new feature. We want you to create a bit of the code that, that, that goes with this feature and, and the unit test script that would go with this feature. Um, we invited anybody interested in the role to submit their entry to us anonymously. Mm-hmm. The hiring manager would look at their entry and then decide if they want, he, he wanted to meet them for an interview. And, and we got more diversity into the interview room. Um, and what was really interesting is that when we, when we followed up with the candidates, they really enjoyed the experience because they said that it gave them an opportunity to really test their skills, yeah. to really get an, an experience of what it would be like to work on the project at the BBC. And we had some candidates self-selecting out of the process because they said, you know, actually, this isn't what I, this isn't the job that I thought it was once they'd read the job description. It, either it was, you know, too junior for them or too senior for them. You know, none of the candidates that self-selected out of the process, we, you know, we would have screened out ourselves. So, you know, we weren't, we didn't lose out on any talent, which was, which was really encouraging. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah. that's more benefits than you'd expected. Yeah, right. yeah. Cool. And I love that example of you know how it broadened the the range. I'm so curious to hear because I, I won't claim to be an expert in it, but it's something that I see regularly, particularly in this crossroads between technology and diversity and inclusion, and. Um, there seems to be some evidence, but I'm curious what your thought is on this, that a lot of the AI that is written to help expand recruitment and try to create a more inclusive environment, there's still a bias that's carried Backfire. because of course, yeah, good yeah, it's, I want to know that. I want to know your, your view on that Because yeah, it's coded by people with some of their own unconscious yeah. biases. But what, yeah. what is your take on that? Yeah, there is evidence that the AI is adopting the biases of its engineers. Um, yeah. And then through machine learning, it's just perpetuating the problem. And there's been some really high profile cases. So Amazon had to take AI out of its recruitment process right. for yeah. being sexist. Um, <laughs> the UK government. Ouch. Yeah, I know. Quite embarrassing. Um, yeah. The UK government developed some software to automatically check our passport photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't very good at recognizing black faces. Mm. Um, so it does happen and i think this is the this is the reason why it's really important that we focus on the diversity of teams creating software um yeah. it's something i do talk about very often um and i'm starting to actually niche and focus my own work around technology because it's such um an important sector in the world yeah we've seen how important the role of technology is playing during the coronavirus uh, enabling us to continue working and things like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a really important area. Yeah, and you, you can directly see the impact of increasing diversity and inclusion in that sector then, because it just yeah. trickles on towards so much more. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I, one thing I, I, uh, I was interested, I, I read an article that you wrote on Medium a while ago that talked about intersectionality. I found that a very, very interesting insight as well. And it makes complete sense, just hadn't used the word in this context yet. Yeah, so intersectionality is, is really recognizing that individuals don't belong into one box. Right. That, you know, I'm not just a man. And I'm not just white. So the intersectionality is that I'm male, that I'm white, and I'm gay, and I'm disabled, for example. And it's really recognizing that you know, all of the different aspects that make us make us human, um, and that's what intersectionality really is all about. Yeah, I think it really enriches the the, the context and the effort and the concept of what diversity is because you know first it started by people recognizing that you know women may have a different experience and then suddenly people from different cultural backgrounds but that keeps expanding and rightly so uh and this is another expansion of, of the range of yeah what we're talking about here and what real actual experiences are yeah in fact you've touched you you've actually touched on one of my frustrations <laughs> so, um, which was a lot of organizations were treating diversity and inclusion in, in a very siloed and very hierarchical way yeah so they would say this year our priority is around women in leadership you know let alone any other women in the organization right. next year we're going to look at ethnicity the year after that we're going to do LGBT <laughs> issues then we're going to do mindfulness and we might get around to thinking about disability one day yeah. And it was a real frustration because I was talking to colleagues in the organization who would say, hang on a minute, you know, when is it my turn? And the thing is, diversity <laughs> includes everybody. Yeah. Um, so you shouldn't have to wait for your turn. Yeah. Um, and that's why organizations really do need to focus on intersectionality a lot more than they, than they generally are. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's why I'm so glad that you, that I, I, I saw you bring that up and, and add that to the conversation. Yeah. yeah, and it really is such an important crux of it is, you know, this really this sort of transformation of diversity and inclusion being, you know, driving specific demographics and what what are the splits of, you know, your your race, gender, whatever measurements you want to put out there and instead focusing much more on creating an inclusive environment yeah. whereby all of the voices and all of the opinions and all of the intersectionalities because we're all human beings with multifaceted pieces of, of our so life. many sides to yeah, so many sides to everybody. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can't well, split people into just a, a demographic yeah. label. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What would you recommend that that organizations do to approach this this in in, in such a way? So they need it's to a change for them. Yeah. One of the main things is that the conversation needs to change in organizations from diversity towards inclusion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, some organizations are going a little bit further in there and they might, they might actually start to think about what the definition of inclusion means for them. And they might come up with their own term to define their culture. So some organizations are talking about belonging. Um, some organizations are talking about respect, um, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But generally speaking, what we do need to be doing is moving the conversation from diversity towards inclusion. So recognizing that we are all diverse and that in, in a lot of countries, the, the makeup of the nation is very diverse and therefore the talent pools available are very diverse. And, and actually global organizations are, are working in the global sphere. Therefore, mm -hmm. there is a very diverse world. 
but it's around about how you know, what 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 is inclusion like how do people arrive to work in the morning feeling like they belong to the organization that they want to stick around that they can do their best work um that's where we need to take the conversation to yeah i think that's so important and and i guess I, what i get from the essence of what you're saying is actually maybe even an inclusion even isn't necessarily a definition it's a way of behaving it's a way of being with people mm -hmm. um, as opposed to a, a black and white static um, well, that's, that's even even I, I like that second thing you said even more it's not it's not just behaviors it's a way of being with people yeah yeah and that's where we start to talk about culture because when i was writing the chapter about culture um I, I kind of hit writer's block because I was, I, I found it really difficult to get my hands around culture because it's so mm. big and it, it it just didn't feel very tangible to me. Yeah, yeah. But then the way that I kind of look at culture is that culture is the sum of all of the behaviors that we take day to day in the workplace, mm -hmm. um, large and small behaviors. That That is our culture. That starts to shape our culture. You know, there are then you know physical artifacts and things like that 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 also shape our culture but you're right in that you know, we need to be focusing on the behaviors of people in the organization to start to create that more inclusive culture and organizations can do things like inclusive leadership programs where championing and supporting people at the top of the organization mm -hmm. to really lead the way in yeah. in, in in sort of demonstrating inclusive behaviors I like that. I like that championing people in, uh, at the top is just it's it's very constructive and positive, and you know cheering them on when they do it is much more positive than telling them off when they don't. <laughs> yeah, so I think the carrot is better than the stick. Exactly. Uh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you do need a stick to be honest. Yeah, but, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, but still. Well, but I think fine. in most cases it's you know that's the exception, and I think in terms of policy writing, at least in the organizations that I worked in, most of the policies around diversity and inclusion were mainly punitive policies as opposed to talking about the kinds of behaviors you want to see and yeah. talking about the things that you want to create. And I think that also creates kind of this negative vacuum around the space of diversity and inclusion of this, you know, it's this sort of this thing of like, oh, this is the thing I'm going to get in trouble for as opposed yeah. to how can I create more of this? You know, what what does this look like, and how can we be better at this? Yeah. Absolutely, and it it is really important to focus on the positive, and you know, focus on building people's strengths. And I think it's also really important that organisations talk about the why a lot more. You know, yeah. why are we expecting mm -hmm. leaders to behave in a particular way? When I was working at Deloitte, you know, we had our Deloitte Leader Charter which were a set of uh, behaviors that we would expect our leadership to demonstrate. Um, they weren't necessarily all about diversity and inclusion. You know, it was very implicitly woven into the, the behaviors. But what was interesting is that our definition of leader wasn't necessarily a partner in the firm right. uh, leading a team of 2,000 people. Hmm. You, you could be somebody who's just finished university working on a client project with one other person and you, you, you're also considered a leader. And so it is really important that you focus on the behaviors that you that you want to see and you positively reinforce them. Yeah, well, what would you say was, uh, was an effect of, of stating leadership 
like that, framing it like that? What happened when people heard that and read that? I mean, in the case of Beloit, it was really interesting because the, the leadership traits were really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were easily to understand. So, for example, it was things like, you know, we would make time for people as a mm-hmm. leader. You know, that is, an, that is a good, inclusive thing to do as well. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, you know, when you've worked in organisations, I've had this experience myself. You, you, go and, you go and talk to your manager because you've got a problem and you need their help to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not really listening to you. They're, they're kind of more interested in what's going on their mobile phone than <laughs> creating that space for you. Right. Um, and then you leave that, that exchange a bit flustered. I mean, so that is an example. It's such a simple leadership behavior. Um, yeah. And we all we need to do is put an inclusivity lens over it so that regardless of who shows up at your desk, you, you make time for them. Right. Yeah, yeah. So what so are that's... some of the inclusivity behaviors that you would want people to start talking about, implementing, stimulating? Mm-hmm. What are some of the most important ones in your view, Toby? Um, so there's quite a few. Um, I think one of my favorites is that inclusive leaders are brave and they're not afraid to rock the boat and they're inquisitive and they take an interest in people's backgrounds. Mm. There's quite a few in there. They're kind of, bum- I, maybe it's not my favorite one, but I've bundled quite a few in there. But mm. what I do take away of, of it is that inclusive leaders are bold and they're not afraid to rock the boat. So they are prepared to have difficult conversations with colleagues. So it might be that you're a, um, you know, a C-suite executive and you're sat around the boardroom with your chief financial officer and your chief HR officer and your um, chief operating officer, etc. cetera. Um, and some of your colleagues are not necessarily demonstrating inclusive behaviors. But mm-hmm. as an inclusive leader, you're prepared to have difficult conversations with people and call out or challenge those behaviors. Yeah. yeah. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, and also as as a, a C-suite exec at the top of the business, um, if you don't think that the business is really embracing diversity and inclusion in the way that it should be, again, you're you're not afraid to to call that out and say, "Hang on a minute," you know, we we say that we value diversity. It, it's even one of our explicitly stated values behind the reception desk downstairs. <laughs> um, Yet, you know, our, our behaviours don't really aren't really congruent with that. Mm. What's going on here? Um, and that, again, they're afraid to. Ha- they're not afraid to have those conversations either. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so important. You know, being able to to open up those spaces, um, but it requires some psychological safety. Another topic that we've done some episodes on yeah. recently. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it's such a key, really important element to creating these, you know, these inclusive environments, and to have these difficult conversations because they are uncomfortable yeah. it's mm. it's not easy to call out the you know either the cognitive dissonance or the the discrepancies between you know what you're saying versus what you're doing yeah yeah definitely yeah and another thing that comes to mind for me and i'm curious to hear what you think toby is that it's important as a leader to be open to new information so if someone comes to you and explains to you what their experience is, experience is that you don't dismiss dismiss it or frame it into what you already think is true 
but that you're open to learning new things about what the experience is like for that other person. Yeah, and that's that's one of the other traits of um, an inclusive reader to be to be open, to be inquisitive, to yeah. ask questions. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I think I to me that feels like a very important addition. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you. I'm I'm so glad. I'm so happy we we had this conversation today. Thank you for coming on. So I'm so glad we got the chance to to chat with you and um, and bring all this to to our listeners. You're welcome. Thank, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. No. Well, thank you. For yeah, it's been on. a pleasure, and I would highly recommend your your book, Inclusive Growth, to yes. anybody out there working in in an organization. It's filled with so many just really good explanations, some unraveling of some of the complexities, technology that really helps uh, open up some of these spaces. Uh, so, yeah, I would highly recommend that. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Toby, and uh, thanks, Lisa, and thanks, everyone out there for listening. You can listen to our podcast directly online, um, and it's also very easy to find us, HR Matters, and subscribe on your Apple Podcast app or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or a range of other apps to make sure that you are the first to learn about our latest episode. If you subscribe, you'll get a notification. Um, we would love to get your rating and review because that will make us more visible to other people that may be interested in all this information. We would love to get your feedback uh, or your topic requests. What are the things on your mind that you'd love to hear uh, our views on or bring in your own views or get us uh, a guest that can address that? What's on your mind in the workplace? Do let us know. And um, until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>